On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. University. It's a bastion of higher learning. A place where one goes to further their understanding of the world, expand their horizons, and improve their chances of gainful employment. Well, that's university in the real world. In the movies, university is where you go to drink beer, get laid, and fight the powers that be. Is Port Chester University the place to be? Find out as we attempt to prove to you that PCU is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, every now and then a movie comes along, and you take a look at the tomatometer and realize, oh my goodness, this actually qualifies. Giddy up, it's time to go. This is that movie because we are talking 1994's PCU. And here to go, you know gallop down the road for this one here is my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm great. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for finally letting us do this movie. I have been asking for the past, what? year over a year the past 50 episodes at least 65 well (laughs) and plus but since i've been on board i have been begging for us to cover this movie and here we are today right now i just wonder if we have to be politically correct as we're as we're discussing this film oh hells no let's protest it all should i you know refer to you as our as my rightfully you know um wedded person (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> the cool thing is, you know, I hate everybody equally, so <laughs> there's really nothing to protest. <laughs> We're not going to protest. I've had a bad day. <laughs> We're not going to protest. <laughs> oh, we're here to protest. I am protesting the critics and their stinking review on this movie. Great critics be damned. Critics be damned. But before we go down Port Chester University Road to discuss PCU, we have to take this 1994 college-based comedy and trailerize it. Imagine a world where people are united by that which they hate, are angry at everything, and will not be silenced in their outrage. A world that has forgotten how to have fun and ignore the problems of the outside world. Step back to 1994 for a glimpse of what 2023 would be like in PCU. Chris Young plays Tom, a preppy prefrosh with a 50 sensibility of what university would be like in the 90s by clearly ignoring every madcap university film that came out in the 80s. Showing him the ropes is Jeremy Piven, who ditches him at the first possible chance, leaving him to suffer alone in the restrictive chaos that is a self-contained world of political correctness, thereby properly preparing him for real-life university. But can they pull off the rager of all ragers to raise enough money to save their dorm? That puts this a dance battle away from Electric Boogaloo. It's PCU, rated PG-13, for Pray for Gutter. Although, was it not meant to be an R-rated movie? It's funny you mention that. This, there, apparently, apparently, according to the director, there is actually an R-rated cut of this film, but the studio would not let that out the door. I want to see it. He has acknowledged this, apparently, in the DVD commentary of this film uh, and said, it exists, it will probably never see the light of day. Well, considering they, I was reading that they sat on releasing the DVD for... For like a year, yeah. A year. Which I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But hashtag release the Bachner cut. So with that said, was it actually released in 94 
yet It was actually concluded. released in 1994. In 93. Okay. No, it was released in 1994. Um, although if we can now get hashtag release the Bachner cut you know, going, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Yes. Make it happen. Jeremy Piven can make this happen, which, uh, by the way, coolest thing. We put this out on Twitter uh, that we were recording tonight, and Jeremy Piven liked it. But now comes the draws conundrum here because draws himself liked the tweet that we were recording the show therefore he liked the tweet of the film that he was in is that akin to wearing the t-shirt of the band you're going to see oh don't be that guy is jeremy piven that guy jeremy don't be that guy i I know i'm gonna let it slide i'm gonna let it slide and hi hi jeremy (laughs) big fan love your movies right we're gonna let that one slide on this one here but this film stars jeremy piven john favreau megan ward david spade jessica walter alex does i'm gonna i'm hoping i pronounce this right it's spelled desert but there's an exantegu in the name so i think it's desert I'm, i'm not quite sure i apologize if i screwed it up uh and chris young however there is an almost starring in this film by the way this film is now almost 30 years old so we're gonna spoil the out of it you had your chance but go watch it anyways in the film the band that plays the party at the end of the film is george clinton in the p-funk all-stars parliament funkadelic but it wasn't supposed to be it was originally scripted to be nirvana could you picture smells like teen spirit being played at the house party right wow but apparently nirvana was too expensive Mm -hmm. i will say though that if they had nirvana as the band uh the pits damage bill would be way higher than seven thousand (laughs) dollars but apparently they also considered the goo goo dolls to be the band and apparently they were like no one's gonna recognize them no one's gonna know who the hell they are um i think they 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 chose wisely with parliament funkadelic in the role of Thomas, played by Chris Young, apparently reading for the role before the film uh, it was casted, was Steve Zahn. And I'm... I'm all for that. I would have loved to have seen that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we get the Steve Zahn from that thing you do, then he's kind of perfect for that. I mean, again, this is nothing against Chris Young, but Steve Zahn would have been very interesting in that role, especially if he brings the... Like, don't bring Sahara Steve Zahn... Bring that thing you do, Steve's on. You know what? Yes. However, I think I would have liked to have seen Steve's on in a different role in that movie, whether it's, you know, the kid on the couch or one of the bandmates, like one of the stoners. Oh, my God. Could you you picture Steve's on as a member of the Balls and Shaft? (laughs) Also, I got to say balls and shaft on a, on a podcast and not have to actually censor it. So I'm winner, winner right here. Um, apparently for the role of Samantha, uh, the, the ex-girlfriend of Draws uh, who joined the Womenists, uh, which is actually played by Sarah Trigger, Ashley Judd read for that role. Um, but they decided to go with Sarah Trigger because I guess the director had worked with her before. Um, I I actually don't mind Ashley Judd in the role of Katie as opposed to Samantha, but uh, but it would be interesting. I, I could easily see Ashley Judd fit into this. Now, as as draws the Jeremy Piven role, apparently the role almost went to Adam Sandler. No. But then Sandler got offered the role and was cast into Airheads, and we got Jeremy Piven in PCU. <sighs> All worked out as it should. I was about to say, I'm not going to lie. If Adam Sandler is in this role, this movie sucks. Okay, that's not fair. No, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I Jeremy, just think- Piven, Jeremy Piven brought such a good sarcasm to this role, like such a character to draws. Um, I don't know if Adam Sandler could have pulled that off. Right. You know what? It And... The sarcasm, yet the charm factor. Mm. Jeremy Piven had that perfect combination of, like, you just you just don't know, you don't because he's so good at manipulating the situation to his his benefit that 
is it charm? Is it sarcasm? Is it wit? Is it like it, it can be all of the above? It is all of the above. The, they are not mutually exclusive. Now, if I'll take you, D, all of the above <laughs> on this exam. Now, if you had put Adam Sandler in the role of Pigman, the guy who was doing his thesis on the uh, on the 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 Hackman whatever uh, the Hackman Kane theory, and just sitting there watching TV, uh, Sandler would have killed that role. But I don't know. I think. Sandler would have maybe been I don't, I, intriguing as a protester, maybe. But the interesting thing, too, and, and, and I have to say this, if Sandler takes this role, then Airhead suffers. Oh, yeah, no. And again, all was as it should have been in the 90s. Right. Right, because Airhead's needed to be... I, I laugh because there's a meme out there that has a picture of the three guys from airheads and and it's like if you can't name this band we can't be friends <laughs> and i absolutely love that i share it every time it comes across my feed because <laughs> yeah <laughs> now this film apparently is the cinematic directorial debut of one hart bachner who would then go on to direct high school high starring john lovitz Apparently, there's a 1992 production that he directed called The Buzz that also had John Lovitz, but it's I don't think it's seen the light of day. There's no information on it. There's just a title and, you know, literally, even if you go to John Lovitz's Wikipedia, uh, it'll list The Buzz, you know, role unknown. So it might be one of those things where they did something, it's never seen the light of day, but this would be the cinematic theatrical release debut of Hart Bachner in the director's chair. He's acted before. He's actually in the 1984 Supergirl film that really did not do all that well. But this is his directorial debut. Um, in 2011, the Huffington Post put in an article that listed this in the top 30 of all-time college movies. And I can't disagree with that at all. Like, let's be honest. College, college romp movies are a genre unto themselves and this does stand up quite well mm-hmm. and i love it i absolutely love it like i remember watching this and thinking well this is it this is this is like higher learning this <laughs> this is how it is if, if this is how you look at higher learning there, there are problems right there. <laughs> well, uh, although we, is it that we've far been, off? <laughs> we, we've been to college, uh, and to quote Jeremy Piven in this, uh, beer is your friend, you drink a lot of it. And yes, we did. Not going to lie. Um, this film, however, didn't do too well at the box office. It has an approximate budget of $8 million, and according to IMDb, a worldwide gross of $4.3 million. When it debuted on the April 29th, 1994 weekend, according to thenumbers.com, this film debuted at number six with only $2.129 million. The number one film that week was No Escape, which would debut at just under $5 million. Uh, with Honors, another college film, also debuted at number one. Uh, you So Crazy debuted at number five. Uh, and then the other two movies in the top five were Four Weddings and a Funeral at number three and Bad Girls at number four. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised that PCU didn't debut in the top three. I am surprised it, it didn't debut a little bit higher than six. Like, is it what? And the fact that it's PG-13 means it's a bit of a wider audience. So I'm just curious why people didn't go to the theaters for this i don't know maybe it was like if it was a specific release like during frosh week near every you know campus that might have i don't know improved its chances i mean i don't remember with honors that well but i'm damn skippy pcu is a much better film but i'm gonna put it out there um but however the critics the audience loves this movie Okay. And how could you not? Right. It's a but, great movie. But over at Metacritic, it has a Metascore of 42. And over on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a 75% audience score. And I'm even thinking that's low at 75%. But the critic score, the tomatometer, is 44%. So I'm actually even more surprised that the Metacritic score is even lower than the tomatometer. 
So it's time to find out what the heck the critics got wrong about this. Let's get to the breakdown here. We have to start right at the top. Jeremy Piven as Draws. Uh, we've already decided that he's better than Adam Sandler in this role, but how was Draws for you? Oh my God. Love. Just in a word, love. Like, <laughs> again, he just had such charisma and such charm. And, <laughs> you know, he's he's like the he's he's a fixture at that college Mm -hmm. been there for seven years probably took a two-year program you know in (laughs) phys ed no (laughs) phys ed get the out of here right (laughs) however you know like just again a fixture and you could tell that um you know this this college this dorm the pit is his life. Yeah. You know, there is no life outside. Um, the thought of getting jobs was not happening. Just not, not in the happening. cards. Um, but again, like you could just tell, like he was a fixture. He knew the inner workings of the, um, uh, like the, 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 school principal or uh, oh, yeah. president, he, actually, the president of the school. He knew how to get around things. He knew how to work the system. And, th- and there's the thing. Like, let's take a look at Draws as a character, okay? Seven years at university and going. He's got theses in his, uh, I, I said theses, not feces. He's got theses, you know, in his closet, ready to hand out to any freshmen or any students that need them. So, I mean, the fact that he ha- he has all of these shows that Draws is not a dumb person. Not he, to mention the closet full of, you know, alcohol and other... Other assorted naughty, naughty paraphernalia. <laughs> other <laughs> drugs of choice. But the thing is, like, like I said, like he's not an idiot. Draws is the king of his domain. He rules with a... Um, definitely not an iron fist. He, he's, he is basically the leader of the pack. He, why would Draws want to leave the, you know, this situation, right? He's got it made. He's with people that he enjoys. Um, he's figured out how to game the system and and keep going. Like, like Dross has got it going on, but you know why would you want to leave that? I need to draw a comparison though, because a lot of these university films and these college films they they do kind of borrow from each other. And now the movie I'm going to reference is not necessarily a college film, but it is definitely a school film. Draws in this, and the way Jeremy Piven plays him, reminds me a lot of Dean Cameron's role as Dave Marshak in Ski School. Ski School is one of those, like, again, just straight up, like, goofball, damn the man kind of comedies. This happens to be a, sk- a ski school instead of an actual school. But Marshak in that is just so much fun and so goofy and so quotable. Like, ski, if you've ever watched Ski School... Already, you're probably in your mind going, it's not how far you go, it's how go you far, okay? Draws in this is infinitely quotable. Absolutely. Like, the number of memes that are out there of things that Draws says. Like, he's written well, and Jeremy Piven played him so well, made him so iconic. So, don't let Adam Sandler near this role. It's Jeremy Piven all the way. Uh, Chris Young, who played Tom the Prefrosh, uh, your thoughts on him? All I can think is, thank God he was matched up with Draws and not um, David Spade. Oh God, no, no, not David Spade. Like he definitely fell into the right into the right crowd um, because it could have gone. I think with his expectation of what college was to be, and then seeing you know the prep school uh, mm-hmm. house, um, it could have it could have been tragic. It could have had a very different ending and. Thank God that it went the way it did. Now, I mean, I, I need to put a disclaimer out here. So, Carrie and I, we went to college. We, we went to a city college, not a university. There were no frats. There were no. There was no groups like that. We just went to college, studied broadcasting. But we did have a party house. Oh, we had a party house. There's no question about that. Um, but... So the, the whole concept of frats and wearing the suits and the, the whole hazing rituals and all that kind of... Like, like, that life doesn't exist at college, a university, it does. Um, at least so we've learned from movies. 
is it me though or did chris young feel like a young andrew mccarthy in this Mm. um you know what i think i i absolutely loved the turnaround in 48 hours he went from was it 48 that was like 24 no, it was, uh, well, it was written that it happened over, over span a of two days. Yeah. Okay. Um, however, you know, I mean, he went from the suit to like, I think he was wearing what, like whatever, t-shirt and khakis at the- <laughs> Whatever he had bus. on left, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that Chris Young does bring a, a, a really good naivete to him. And the thing is- Tom was never meant to be, I think, innocent, right? He's not coming in here as one of the preps. He's, he's not a balls and shaft man. I can't believe I said that phrase out loud, but here we are. You know, he's not the David Spade crew. Preppy, yes, but not stuck up, not eh, kind of thing. The fact that while he's being shown where Draws' room is in the first, first chance he gets, he checks out Katie's butt. Like, it just proves that Tom is not, you know, he, he he will fit into the pit. I just love that he relished pissing everybody off. Mm-hmm. Like By the he, end of it, yeah. <laughs> he really owned that, you know, like, he was like equal opportunity, you know, hating, not that he hated anyone, he was quite friendly <laughs> just kept getting himself into trouble and was hated by all equally so i i wonder if, the, if this qualifies though as a cliche check out a cute girl's butt oh, sorry more to the point get caught checking out a cute girl's butt in a movie and you'll probably end up together by the end of the film is that a hollywood cliche i'm starting to think it might be hmm well it worked in um I'm thinking um, the, I'm sure Leslie the, Nielsen in that spy. Oh, movie. oh yeah, no, in um, uh, yes, the Naked Gun. The Naked Gun. Yeah, that's check it. check out Priscilla Presley's butt. You get to be with her. Yeah, yep. here, check out Katie's butt. They got together. I'm starting to think they need Attack of the Hollywood Cliches Part Two. Uh, but I, I think it was good in this, and the fact, like the fact that you know the the first question he actually asked draws is like do you guys stay in the houses with women? Like, you you know where Tom's head is that. So, which is probably why Draws didn't just kick him out on his butt, despite the fact that he's wearing, like, a very preppy suit. Um, so it's actually fairly well written there. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the creator of The Mandalorian and the man who brought us Iron Man as Gutter. <laughs> love. Oh, my God, I love Gutter. How is John Favreau in this role for you? Oh, in case you can't tell the excitement. Okay, first of all, yeah. <laughs> wow. I love the hair. I love the hair. I would love to see a reprisal of that hairdo one day. Just, I don't know. Make it, write it into Marvel somehow. <laughs> Happy Hogan gets dreads? Bring no. it back. Yep. <laughs> bring it back. <laughs> But, oh, my God, he was so, like, just so great at being so incredibly just lost. Right. <laughs> whether it's stoned or whether it's just, like, not altogether there. But, oh, my God, like, and and very understated. Mm-hmm. It's not like he didn't have a whole lot of lines or... He didn't need them, though. He, he was in a lot of the movie but he didn't have a lot of speaking role i found but it was it wasn't necessary it wasn't needed like it was just like his presence <laughs> in the scene made it funny the he lost, made this movie the lost in thought look that he was able to pull off in this spoke volumes like it's it's an understated role for sure but it was so much fun it helps that he has such a youthful childlike face that just went with did you just call the, John Favreau a baby face he, he is kind of a baby face in this but movie he had, in this movie he had like this like punk like I don't know punk um 
I don't know, pro-athlete kind of look going. I don't know. You, you know that if Gutter's in the middle of the mosh pit, he's standing right in the middle as the wall of death closes around him. Exactly. Right? That's exactly it. He's the guy who's going to come out with his shirt torn to shreds in his hands going, God damn, that was a good pit. <laughs> but don't be that guy. Don't wear the shirt of the band, band you're, you're going, going to, to see. see. Yes. <laughs> uh, although that being said, I, I think that if Gutter is in the pit, and I'm not talking about the house, the pit in the movie, I'm talking about like an actual concert pit. If Gutter's in a pit, John Favreau plays him in the way that you know that if someone falls down in the pit, Gutter's going to like actually help them up. Do you know what made me sad for him though? Pit rules. But he, yes. He never made it to that show. No, but the show came to him. Oh no, he never made it to the Merkins show because no. he wasn't going to the he wasn't going to go see George Clinton. He was going to go see the Merkins. Exactly, but he never made it there. Yeah. Also, never made it to the beer store in time. But I think that's more tragic. Oh my God, the 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 like fever dream or whatever <laughs> that was <laughs> was so funny. I, I I didn't exhale. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I love this movie. In which, case you can't tell, which for the record, that by the way, if you're watching PCU for the first time in 2023, um, you almost have to go back and study up on you know the you know the history of Clinton as president to actually get that joke. There's there are some things in here that are a little dated. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's Factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. 
Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but before we get on to the cast, I do want, I, I want to bring this up, though, because we kind of joked about it at the beginning of the, of the show. This film and its depiction of political correctness in the extreme kind of feels a little relevant these days. Yeah, it's amazing how... <laughs> like, like you watch it and go oh dear god we're living that right now like it's i'm not saying it's that bad and that all we need is a good rager to end things um but it, it's a it's a little this script is smart the script is very very smart it was smart and ahead of its time yet was it ahead of its time or is it just that we have learned nothing and keep repeating history over and over again. Uh, once again, I think both answers are correct. Uh, they are not mutually exclusive. This falls into Simpsons smart territory. Uh, moving on, though, to Alex Desert, who played Mulaney, who was Draws's sidekick with the dreads uh, and always kept on going around with them, helping throw the meat at the at everybody. How, also, by the way, if you're not familiar with Alex Desert's work, um, I, he before this, he was in... The Flash TV series. This is actually his film debut. I personally know him best as the voice of Nick Fury in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, which means, yes, we have Happy Hogan and the man who brought us Iron Man, and then we have the voice of Nick Fury in this. It's like our own little PCU Avengers, and I'm kind of all here for it. But how was Alex Desert as Mulaney for you? Oh, he was great. He was so, he was like such a perfect balance to draws like is just he's so he's so great like he just kind of is so cool and you know again he doesn't put a whole lot of effort into the role but it just it's so natural oh absolutely he's so yeah. natural and it's just draws I think there are a few characters in this movie that actually humanize Draws. And that's the thing. Draws is not just a, a straight up like John Belushi type maniac, like an animal house. You know, he's smart. Oh, he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> he is. And, you know, Mulaney and then Samantha as well. We'll get to her in a little bit. But they humanize Draws. They do. They make him more, you know, uh, he he's now a three dimensional character. He's not just you know a cliched party goer. There's there's humanity in him. You tend to have to wonder, and I this this definitely sits on my mind is if Draws has been there for seven years, who have been the members of his crew previous? Mm -hmm. And furthermore, you just know that the next semester or next. Um, next school year that um yeah like Mulaney and and some of the others are going to have that's going to be interesting too like i'm i'm not gonna lie as we're sitting here talking about this if they wanted to make a pcu2 and draws is still at the university that would be phenomenal like but literally be like the old man on campus i want to see him as the campus president no 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 Oh, that's like going like down safe for draws. That's going like down safe by the bell rules. We're like, yeah, everyone's graduated. Everyone's adults now. And some of them came back to Bayside High to be teachers. Well, it's no, but it's like I said, you know, I mean, no disrespect to Jeremy Piven, but he looked old enough to have been one of the professors. Either that or draws tries to open up his own school to teach students how to get around the university system. I don't know. 
something. Either way, we need a PCU too. Uh, Megan Ward, who played Katie, who was the meet cute for Tom uh, and had her butt looked at, which basically proved that the two of them were going to get together. How was Megan Ward for you? She was great. I mean, she was definitely, um, you just knew from the scene where they met. It was like, yeah, they're going to wind up together. Um, Yeah, you know what? I think she was an excellent, almost kind of like kept, I don't know, the house in check or kept draws in check. You think she was the den mother? I think so. Even, Even though she's a freshman. Yeah, but you know what? She was just so, um, I don't know, like she she was a very strong female character. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they didn't play her as just a, a dumb straight sex symbol, right? She she was cute. She she probably was the den mother quite a bit. The fact that, you know, she was, you know, helping to start the band at the place. Like there's a lot to Katie, uh, but I also don't think that they explored her character enough but to the same token as well and it's the same thing with Mulaney right Mulaney's character is great but they didn't really give him too much backstory or too much to do except for be there and hang out with draws but I thought it was fine you really didn't need much more and that's what I'm getting at like Katie was there to be the meat cute for Tom and to kind of you know be be there in the film but they didn't give her too much but if you have all these side characters and these elaborate backstories to them you take away from the dual storyline between draws trying to set up this party at the same time trying to get samantha back and then tom literally running for his life but did you notice though this had to have happened over a weekend because not a single like class was taking place at all (laughs) no they were too busy protesting yeah uh, moving on, uh, Sarah Trigger, who played Samantha, this is Draws's ex, one of the womenists. Uh, how was she for you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously the character was written in a certain way that, you know, they had a past relationship and then I guess somehow she got involved with the womenists. But it was almost kind of like she didn't seem to want to be there. And yet, I don't know, she like, you just knew that, um, I don't know, she maybe wanted to still be with Draws or give him another chance. But I don't know, it was, it was kind of like, to me, it, it, it just felt somewhere awkwardly in between. It felt like there were a lot of students at the school who were trying to find a place where they fit in and Dross was just going to be there and let the world fit in around him. And it's one of those things where that's actually like a strength to Dross's character in that, you know, he doesn't need to conform to everyone else in every other group in order to belong. He's just going to be and let the belonging happen around him. And I think by joining the womenists, Samantha all of a sudden sees from the outside why she was actually withdraws in the first place and that he is fun and he's not judgmental even though he judges everybody every other group but i do like the fact that their relationship and her presence in this movie humanizes draws also she was giving off some like severe leah thompson vibes is it me were you getting leah thompson like from howard the duck type vibes Mm, um possibly i mean definitely like I I don't know. She was, she was great, but I think she could have been a little less in between and a little bit more steadfast in what she wanted and not what other people wanted for her. But I think she's also the catalyst for the womenists kind of loosening up and actually enjoying the party. Like, oh, a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. But and I think you needed those breaks in those groups. Right. You had Moonbeam, who was like one of the, basically like the lead hippie chick. And, you know, all of a sudden deciding that, no, she's going to have a good time. The fact that she's there at the party, like on someone's shoulders and, and drinking a beer and whatnot. You know, it's true. Like all, all people needed to do was allow themselves to have a good time and stop worrying and complaining about things. And all of a sudden you, you do get to have fun. But now we got to go to the other side of the campus here. David Spade has Rand McPherson. Uh, how was David Spade for you? It was a classic David Spade role. Um, in fact, when we were talking about David Spade in um, 
I have gone completely blank. But when we talked about David oh, it, Spade mean, and eight, eight heads, heads in a duffel bag, yeah. Um, and I said that he was less David Spade than you know he wasn't spading all over the place. So, th- so this is the David <laughs> Spade you wanted. This is the quintessential David Spade role. I, I I don't know if there's another actor out there who can go the and and have it be as effective as David Spade. <laughs> uh, there's he's just so wrong in this. Like the fact that his height is seemingly a bone of contention as he stands around everyone else. The fact that he has to step up on a stair. The fact that there's this weird vibe between him and the president of the school that you're not quite sure what what his vibe is on that like well he was the he was the rat like he he had his place at the school Mm -hmm. and yet i have to wonder like why their house was where it was or well it's the it's the fact that frats were disbanded and balls and shaft was very much a frat so they kind of had to go underground Uh, Uh, so they got kicked out of the house because it was a quote-unquote frat house uh but once it became the pit right it was one of the things we're like well we're not a frat we're not organized we're not organized at all right so it became a dorm instead of a frat and that's why balls and shaft had to go underground uh and then jessica walter as president garcia thompson how is the voice of Mallory Archer for you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she was definitely perfect in the role. And um, seeing her literally fall, her demise mm-hmm. was so, so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is... She, but she played it so well. Oh, yes. And the, the, by the way, the late Jessica Walter, because she did pass away. But um, here's the thing. Every college or university type film needs this kind of character and the more it's it's not that she's evil she's not evil but she's scheming and conniving and elitist well okay but to have um the complaint forms the way that you know she was collecting them mm-hmm I don't know. That was clearly there was intent there to drive the pit out of um, out of operation, out of she existence. Kind of, she kind of reminds me a little bit of, and I'm, I'm drawing another comparison here. The movie Major League, where they're trying the the, the Cleveland Indians are trying to you know, make their way to the World Series, and the owner basically wants them to suck that season. So she's basically taking away the everything from them, so they don't do well, but they play well, and they're playing well despite her kind of thing. This is kind of that role, and I think Jessica Walter played it phenomenally, very well. Plus, I can't hear that voice and not hear Mallory Archer. Um, this film has such a good soundtrack. Like, obviously, you've got Parliament Funkadelic, got George Clinton on there, but there's some great songs on this. But the score, as done by Steve Vai, the seven-string guitar virtuoso, I did, did it feel a little, a touch much when it was just the score and not the songs? I don't know. I mean, um, like, the opening track was very good, I found. Really? Because the opening track for me kind of took me out of it and then there, there were the times when you know because let's be honest steve vi is a phenomenal guitarist like otherworldly guitarist and when tom is literally running for his life that's when a fast steve vi noodling guitar riff works perfectly mm-hmm. the opening track maybe not so much um but there were times when i felt that it, the, the score might have been a touch much but i think the soundtrack overall is very good so the fact that the Huffington Post put this in the top, you know, list of college, you know, all-time college and university movies. And there are a lot of comparables here. The, I think the biggest thing, though, is that this is a PG-13 film. And in watching it, I'm sitting there going, well, there's nothing I, you know, I would be shocked if the kids caught, you know, while we were watching it. Like, it's not like there's any nudity except for like you know naked butt guy at the party kind of thing that's about it do you think the 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 lack of an r rating actually hurt this film or does or is it fine as a pg-13 no you know what i think i think it's absolutely fine as a pg-13 and i i mean 
yeah, it's it's the kind of movie that I would sit down with the boys, maybe not, you know, the younger one, but um, as our older one goes through high school and gets more towards, you know, <laughs> higher learning. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she laughs knowing that she has a college degree of higher learning, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's, it's a fun movie. It's literally one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have it on what? VHS? Oh yeah. <gasps> yeah. No. Yeah. We are that old. We, we are VHS tapes old and we still have them. But I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you can draw comparisons to like movies like Revenge of the Nerds. And I mentioned Ski School and, you know, there's the, the cliqueishness of Heathers and, you know. You One can, Crazy Summer. And Grease. And there, there's, there's other movies that you can easily point out. But there's one movie that kind of stands out as a comparable. And it actually came out the year after this film came out. And we've already covered it. Waiting, dot, 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 with Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Ah, but, okay, hear me <laughs> out. Hear me out on this one. Hear me out on this one. <laughs> right? If we are drawing comparables, okay, and this is just, just to compare and contrast, okay, the role of Ryan Reynolds in Waiting is equivalent to draws. I'm not, and I'm not like comparing performances here. I'm just saying like the characters and what and their role in the film. No, Jeremy Piven was so much better. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm not comparing okay. performances. I'm just comparing the role that the character plays in the story of the film. Okay. Okay. Tom in this film is comparable to Mitch in Waiting. In that you've got the new guy, he's being shown the ropes, and everything else is happening around him until he snaps and loses it and joins the party. Okay, you've got Anna Faris in Waiting, who is the ex of Brian Reynolds. You've got Samantha in this film, who is the ex of Draws. You've got, um, you know, the, the the crazy guy in Gutter in this one. You could compare him to the chef in Waiting, the guy who like always likes to play the or play the uh, uh, the penis showing game. There are a lot of comparables, and everything leads up to getting to a party at the end of the film. You're, you're, Are you saying that it's formulaic? I'm not saying it's formulaic. Are you saying, you know, get a get an inspiration, get a I, I I'm not I'm not saying PCU is a paint by colors because I think PCU in being PG thirteen actually kind of stands out as a very accessible college romedy. Like, I mean if if you take a look at some of the films, like especially Police Academy. Right, I remember we watched Police Academy when it was on TV, the censored version, and you realize there's a lot in the Police Academy movies that could not fly today. Mm-hmm. Right, very true. You take a look at a movie like Ski School, and while it's funny as hell, uh, it's not exactly necessarily kid friendly, just adult age, but kid mentality friendly. Um, there are a lot of these movies where you know there is a lot that would not cut it on broadcast television this film actually could maybe there's a swear word or two in there that might need to be fuddy duddy kind of thing but this film there's not much wrong with this film in in putting this on broadcast tv like it's a fairly accessible film i'm this is what surprises me i'm surprised that this didn't do better at the box office because it's not a restricted rating therefore it's not a restricted ticket price or, or at least uh, access at the box office mm. which you know could also be a benefit to open it up to younger audiences mm-hmm. exactly and i think that actually contributes to the longevity of this film right yeah one or two of the jokes are very timely in that's the era of like you know clinton and you know you you know they made a republican joke in there and of course they made the you know the the clinton saying he didn't inhale joke kind of thing but they're minor the fact that it's 2023 and we're still seeing parallels from this movie to today's world and it's something that we wouldn't mind if our kids you know a figured out how to work the vhs but b you know, pop this movie in and watched it like this movie stands the test of time much better than a movie uh, or a lot of those you know college and university type movies and one thing i wanted to point out too that you seem to be missing or have forgotten to mention 
at this point is the um, the two main stoners. There's well, always well, one of which is Jake Busey. <laughs> there is always though a blonde and a brunette stoner oh, it's little, group of friends. It's little Nikki rules. Like, it, little Nikki, exactly. That's the point. Um, Jay and Silent Bob. You know, like. <laughs> Wait, are you are you saying that it's formulaic? I. You know what? <laughs> I think it might be a leader. It might be a forerunner because I couldn't. I was trying to think of that same pairing Mm -hmm. or visually, you know, like having the blonde and the brunette, like stoner best friends previous to this movie. Yeah. Similar to a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of thing. Like every movie seems to have to have that kind of out there. I mean, they're Jay and Silent Bob basically. Exactly. But what I'm saying is that I think one's a blonde and one's a brunette and it's uh, it's almost cliche. But I think this movie was a forerunner. So so let me ask you then, because, of course, we've drawn comparables that are, you know, almost carbon copy to movies that came before it or came after it. So and and this is nothing against PCU because I think this movie is a gem. But do you think that the formula of, you know, frat boy university stoner comedy type films kind of weighs on the entire genre in that it's it almost feels sometimes like cookie cutter and just you know change the name of the characters and the setting it's the same film no because this film was unique in that again it had that PC angle, right? Mm-hmm. It had the different groups and just the fact that um um the main character was Chris Young was able to like piss off everybody equally in and without intention, right? Like he was literally just going about his day at this new school he was visiting and managed to well, okay, he did take part in throwing was a hundred pounds of meat well it had to be more than that oh yeah (laughs) there were about two hundred dollars of ground chuck that went out that window at least in in 1994 dollars even right and you know having the steak in his pocket that was kind of you know right perfect um but 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 even just pissing everybody off but even to that token like that whole um you know different groups segregated by their own likes. I mean, even that's been done before. You you saw that in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You saw that in Mean Girls. Like, yeah, I mean, I get the idea of a a university overrun with political correctness and how wrong that is. That, That is a different angle to it in that the idea of political correctness, especially in the 90s when you've got you know the crackdown on things that are bad for our kids and the music is bad and this is bad and you know there there is there, there's a lot to be said about rejecting political correctness for political correctness sake and i think this movie definitely gets it right um the fact that they, that at the end they're they're protesting the fact that they're not going to protest anymore like is just beautifully ironic mm-hmm. um brilliant actually absolutely like there's a lot of smarts to this film and i don't think it gets lost in the madcap uh, the madcap antics of it it's just a matter of does this movie stand the test of time better than a lot of its its you know its brothers and sisters in the college and university madcap antic film and i think it does but before we get to our MVPs, the internet has spoken. Uh, Gomez from the Sleevy G podcast um, has actually commented on our website at, over at notthatbadcast.com. By the way, um, if you go to our website at notthatbadcast.com, you're, if you go to the coming soon page, you will see a list of some of the movies that we are talking about coming up. And we really want to hear your comments. Uh, and there's a, there's a form for there for you to fill out so please by all means go to notthatbadcast.com take a look at some of the movies that we're going to be talking about in in future episodes let us know your thoughts we really want to hear from you guys so gomez has has, uh you know chimed in a couple times here uh one of my favorite movies love the cast love what it's about just unreal uh one of jeremy piven's awesome works and entourage oh man one of my favorite actors and then he followed up with gutter is a tool we're not going to protest 
Uh, yes. And then Brian Colburn from my weekly mixtape. And of course, both Gomez and Brian are also from Playlist Wars chimed in with absolutely love this movie. Well, here's all you need to know. Classes, nothing before 11. Beer, it's your best friend. You drink a lot. Women, you're a freshman. So it's pretty much out of the question. Uh, and then you commented as well, Gary, <laughs> <laughs> saying, forget Hogwarts. I'm now waiting on my acceptance letter to PCU. Can you actually can you actually ever picture a PCU type movie set in Hogwarts? Oh my okay. Wow. Right? Hmm. Drunken wizards all over the place? Well that'd be Hufflepuff. Are, are Hufflepuff <laughs> the drunks of Hogwarts? I'm now curious if that would ever work. If it doesn't even need to be Hogwarts. This is this is what we need. Okay. We need a madcap antic college university type film set in a wizard school oh i want to see that right pcu party atmosphere in a hogwarts type school please for the love of god somebody make this happen and if jeremy piven you are listening to this show you need to be the one to make this happen john favreau you need to make this happen right please (laughs) reteam once again you know because of course like they also team together in very bad things please reteam once again join up and bring us our drunken wizard school comedy film needs to happen and if this does happen, we need to be in it. <laughs> That's we don't, don't we don't need speaking roles. Yeah, you don't even have to pay us. We'll we'll I, show up. I, I I Carrie can dye her hair blonde. I will dye my hair brown, and we will be your stoners. <laughs> there we go. Love it. Okay, but it's time. It is time. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of PCU? Oh, you're going to make me choose. Yes, choose, but choose wisely. Can I have a twofer? Uh, are we are we talking beer, drugs, or how are we doing this? <laughs> I, I, you know. Wait, is most valuable person politically correct? <laughs> you know, Very Bad Things is truly my favorite movie. Right. And like, above, above all. Above Harry Potter, above my Quentin Tarantino movies, Very Bad Things leads the charge. Mm-hmm. And the two gentlemen in this movie and in Very Bad Things, Jeremy Piven and John Favreau, I cannot choose between Gutter and Droz. You know what's funny? I, I, I kept it to one. I kept it to one. And it's Droz. It's Jeremy Piven. Like, honestly, he is absolutely the most quotable character in this. I agree. Right? Like, you you could literally have... But By the way, I'm now giving you this idea, so please go on with it. But if you go with this idea, um, we need a copy. The Book of Draws needs to exist. It doesn't have to be a film. It just needs to be a book. And literally one of those book books of, like, just... Quotes from the wisdom of draws about college and university. Yeah, but Gutter was just so damn likable. Well, Gutter couldn't write two words, but <laughs> that's, what, that's why we need the book of draws. You know what, though? I I want I want to I want to take a vacation just for a day in Gutter's mind, just like <laughs> we we may never see you again. <laughs> This like this, I'll be this, wandering this would somewhere. be like you getting caught in the quantum realm and never being able to get back out. Fascinating. Right? I want to go to there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie, thank you so much for going down PCU Road. Now, you, our dear listeners, you guys know the drill. If there's a film out there that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is so bad that there is nothing we can good that we can say about it, let us know on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or on our website at NotThatBadCast. Badcast.com. We will watch it. We will dissect it. And we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies. Uh, until next time, I'm Jay. She's Carrie. You're awesome. And that means you too, Jeremy Piven. Until next time, everyone, take care.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.